Chapter 36 of Mortal Engines by Philip Reeve Hester took the lead, climbing up through the open top of the dome into smoky firelight and the shadow of the great weapon. Off to her right, the charred skeleton of the 13th floor elevator lay draped over the ruins of the engineerium like a derelict roller coaster. The fire had spread to the guild hall, and the planning department and the hall of records were blazing, hurling out firefly swarms of sparks and millions of pink and white official forms. St. Paul's was an island in a sea of fire, with the Jenny Hanover swinging above it like a low-budget moon, scorched and listing, veering drunkenly in the updrafts of the burning building. She climbed higher out onto the cobra hood of Medusa. Valentine came after her. She could hear him whispering to Catherine, his eyes fixed on the struggling airship. "'What idiot is flying that thing?' he shouted, working his way across the cow to join her. "'It's Tom!' Hester called back, and stood up, waving both arms and shouting, "'Tom!' Tom! It was the shawl that Tom saw first, the one he had brought for her in Periapetishopolis. No, knotted around her neck now, streaming on the wind, it made a sudden flash of red, and he saw it from the corner of his eye and looked down and saw her there, waving. Then a black wing of smoke came down over her, and he wondered if he had only imagined that tiny figure inching out onto the cobra's hood, because it seemed impossible that anyone could survive in this huge fire that he had caused. He made the Jenny Hanover swoop closer, the smoke lifting, and there she was, flapping her arms with her long black coat and her long-legged stride and her ugly, wonderful face. Catherine opened her eyes. The cold inside her was growing, spreading from the place where the, war where the sword had gone in. She was still hiccuping, and she thought how stupid it would be to die with hiccups. How undignified. She wished Dog was with her. Tom! Tom! Somebody kept shouting. She turned her head and saw an airship coming down out of the smoke, closer and closer until the side of the gondola scraped against Medusa's cowl, and she felt the downdraft from its battered engine pods. Father was carrying her toward it, and she could see Tom peering out at her through the broken windscreen, Tom who had been there when it all began, whom she thought was dead. But here he was, alive, looking shocked and soot-stained, with a V-shaped wound on his forehead like a mark of some unknown guild. The gondola was much bigger inside than she expected. In fact, it was a lot like Cleo House, and Dog and Bevis were both waiting for her there. And her hiccups had stopped, and her wound wasn't as bad as everyone had thought. It was just a scratch. Sunlight streamed in through the windows as Tom flew them all up and up into a sky of the most perfect crystal blue, and she relaxed gratefully into her father's arms. Hester reached the airship first, hauling herself aboard through its shattered flank, but when she looked back, holding out her hand to Valentine, she saw that he had fallen to his knees and realized Catherine was dead. She stayed there, still with her hand outstretched, not quite knowing why. There was an electric shimmer in the air above the white metal hood. She shouted, Valentine, be quick! He lifted his eyes from his daughter's face just long enough to say, Hester, Tom, fly, save yourselves! Behind her, Tom was cupping his hands to his ears and shouting, What did he say? Is that Catherine? What happened? Just go, she yelled, and clambering past him, started switching all the engines that still worked to full power. When she looked down again, Valentine was dwindling away below, a dark shape cradled in his arms, a pale hand trailing. She felt like Catherine's ghost rising into the sky. There was a terrible pain inside her, and her breath came in sobs, and something wet and hot was spilling down her cheek. She wondered if she could have been wounded without noticing it, but when she put her hands to her face, her fingers came away wet, and she understood that she was crying, crying for her mum and dad 
and Shrike and Catherine and even for Valentine as the crackling light around the cathedral grew brighter and Tom steered the Jenny Hanover away into the dark. Down in the gut, London's enormous motors suddenly cut out, without warning, and all at once doused by the strange radiations that were starting to sleep down the city's fabric. For the first time since it crossed the land bridge, the great traction city started to slow. In a hastily barricaded gallery in the London Museum, Chudley Pomeroy peered cautiously over the replica of the Blue Whale and saw that the squads of stockards advancing on his last redoubt had all stopped in their tracks pale clouds of sparks coiling around their metal skulls like barbed wire. Great Kirk, he said, turning his surviving handful of, turning to his surviving handful of historians. We've won! Valentine watches the red airship fly away, lit by the flames of top tier and by the spitting forks of light that are beginning to flare around St. Paul's. He can hear hopeless fire bells jangling somewhere below and the panic-stricken shouts of fleeing engineers. A halo of St. Elmo's fire flares around Catherine's face and her hair sparks and cracks as she strokes it. He gently moves a stray strand that has blown into her mouth and holds her close and waits. And the storm light breaks over them and they are a knot of fire, a rushing of blaze, a rush of blazing gas, and gone. The shadows of their bones scattered into the brilliant sky. <laughs>